I mean, I was originally going to call it metamors and milfs, but I think we should keep it um, <laughs> appropriate <laughs> for Calvin. I'm good with that too, but okay. I mean, I do have my Bluetooth ear headphones in, so he can't hear you. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Today, Robin Beach from sexwithrobin.com talks metamors. Those are partners of your partners. She's a sex educator, radio host, former stripper, former dominatrix, and current mom, and just a lovely all-around human. So how do you relate to the partners of your partners? Is it like sibling rivalry? What, is, what does it mean to have metamors if love is unlimited but time isn't? Let's hear more directly from Robin on Intimate Interactions. With YouTube tutorials, honestly. Yeah. They've saved my life. Because I'm old as fuck now, and I'm like, what is this software? You know what I love? I love that old as fuck means going to watch YouTube tutorials now. <laughs> I know. And on that note, I should intro a session yes. on metamors and moms. Here on Intimate Interaction, welcome to the show. I'm here with Robin Beach, sex educator, coaching consultant, and host of Sex with Robin on Split Radio. You can check out Robin at sexwithrobin.com. How are you doing, Robin? I'm good. I, I, I know you already know this, but I feel it worth mentioning again that I am getting over something. So I'm still, mm-hmm. I've still got a lingering cough in my chest and... Uh, at least COVID in my negative. ears, I can hear. It is. I did get tested. It is negative. So yay! Mm-hmm. But I'm still doing all the things, you know, staying at home and mm-hmm. trying to treat myself nice. But it's yeah, you might be able to hear it in my voice, and I do apologize if I cough. I'm trying to avoid it. I also assume as a mom, you just don't get as much sleep as the rest of us. <laughs> Actually, the last you know week or so, I've been getting tons of sleep, but that's because I've been kind of forcing myself to so that I get better faster. Amazing. But it, I feel like I'm behind on all my shows now. Oh, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> Kids are in bed. I'm like, I got to go to bed early, get a good night's sleep. And so I'm, I'm not doing what I would usually do. Just, mm-hmm. know, have, have some me time. I'm considering my sleep, my me time right now, which sometimes you have to do. Mm-hmm, 100%. Self-care can change in the moment. And that's basically what's going on right now. I'm trying to focus my self-care on getting better. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um. I wanted to talk a little bit about metamor ships today. Okay. We're talking so, metamors as in like non-monogamy partner of my partner metamors, yeah? Yes, exactly. Um, okay. What else does metamor mean? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I wasn't sure. I thought I'd clarify. <laughs> you know I, what? That's I actually, started. that's a really good practice because folks listening may not know. They may just be tuning in for the first time. So yeah, metamors being partners of our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is a super rich topic. And with some of my guests, I do write like 10 questions out 
But with you, I find that we have such interesting ADHD on ADHD action that we just go any (laughs) which way and it's a lot of fun and we never run out of stuff to say. So I was like, I'm interested to hear sort of what you would offer your clients just like as a teaser on metamorph ships, like what they are, what some usual problems might be, um, Mm -hmm. and maybe what some successes are, some pros and cons. Absolutely. And you're right. A conversation between you and I is never boring. (laughs) And I I feel like a third person would need to intervene to stop us. Yes. Like you and I can, and have, we'll talk for hours. (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, with metamors yeah it's basically our your partner's partner who i i would assume that you're metamor someone you're not romantically involved with otherwise they would be a partner of yours mm-hmm. uh, and a person and, could be both you could theoretically have a metamor who is also a partner um, yeah, if theoretically yeah if you're talking about those things in like separate ways so like in a triad where like three people are all in sort of relationships together you could say that you have a partner who's also a metamor um, and and that's mm-hmm. that's complicated. Usually, you describe them as one or the other, depending on what specifically you're talking about, like which aspect of your relationship. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It could it could technically be both. But I've never been in a triad, so that's complicated. Okay. <laughs> it's relationships are complicated, and that's agreed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of positives and negatives, of course. Um, I. If anything, a lot of the clients that I get might be just maybe having a a previously monogamous relationship that's opening up and trying to kind of navigate what it is like to have a metamor and and trying to navigate a relationship with a metamor if if you wish to have one, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. just kind of navigating what works best for them. And because not only is every person different, but every dynamic is different, right? Agreed. So yeah. There's no metamors will be alike. Um, and I think it's, I know I say this a lot and I know everyone does it. Comes down to a lot of talking and communicating, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is kind of the, the joke of the polyamorous community. We do way more talking than having mm-hmm. sex. <laughs> <laughs> and way more scheduling. Or, Way more scheduling, yes, and, and talks and check-ins, but I think that's a good thing um, to have those regular kind of talks. But th- there's things to consider. What do you want out of a relationship with a metamor? What do you have to offer? What yeah. about your partner, you know, of the metamor? What does that person want your relationship or their relationship? Is there an ideal? Do you want, uh, the, the phrase is often called, kitchen table polyamory Mm -hmm. the kind where it's like oh you know we're like a family we can hang around the kitchen table have regular dinners um that's so interesting i usually don't consider the hinge partner the person who's partnered with both of the metamors mm -hmm. because like you can consider the hinge and i think one of the problems i made early in non-monogamy was as a hinge i i had an ideal that i did want my metamors to have relationships and Mm -hmm. what i found over time was it's really a consent thing. Like it's really up to the two metamors. Like if they don't want to have a relationship or they do want to have a relationship, that's uh-huh. not really up to me as a hinge. That's just how I feel though. Totally. Totally. Exactly. So that's where a lot of, uh, I think miscommunications and 
conflicts can come into play is when one person has an idea of what they want this to look like and the other person has a different idea, but they didn't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got the hinge partner that's like, come on, let's do a kitchen table, Polly. And the others are like, wait, I'm not interested in that. Well, and it especially gets complicated if one person, if one of the metamors wants a specific type of relationship and the other person yep. doesn't. Yep. That's hard. Well, because some people have anxiety and, you know, it's yeah. really normal when you haven't been, you know, like, I don't want to say acculturated, but like if you haven't grown up in a society where non-monogamy is normal, then you just don't get the same, you don't get the same like reassurances and security mm-hmm. and like roadmap and like examples and archetypes that you would normally get with monogamy. So when you go into it, some people just have a lot of anxiety and security about it, which is totally normal. And then the shitty thing is some people deal with that anxiety by like talking about it. And then other people deal with that anxiety by like avoiding it. And other people Mm -hmm. are just, you know what I mean? And then you get two of those differing styles together and Mm -hmm. they're both just anxious because one of them is like, I'm trying to avoid this person. And this person seems to like be seeking me out. And the other person is like, why is this person avoiding me? Like, I just want to, I just want to have like one conversation so that I can feel safe around them. And it's like... It is a really nasty conflict when those situations mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And I love that you've mentioned the fact that most of us are socially, in, in our culture, in our current Western culture, we are socially mostly taught just monogamy as a, as what I call like default monogamy culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a perfect relationship is a default of absolute, you know, emotional, sexual, romantic monogamy. And and we're kind of struggling with certain conflicts that when are said out loud, I can be like, you know what, I'm as an objective person, I'm hearing a lot of these concepts of monogamy culture that still haven't been shed yet. Mm-hmm. Because it's been so ingrained in our culture. So there's things like the um, kind of compulsion to, I don't know what I call it compulsion, but the... <laughs> You can feel like a compulsion, right? Sure. The, this almost need inside where you're like, I should, should I be comparing mm. this need to compare relationships or compare partners, compare Thief your relationship, you know, that kind of thing. Or the, um, well, if this relationship works well, then there's something wrong with mine. And it's like, no, that's a very monogamous mindset. So yeah. I do feel like a lot of the people that come to me with things like it concerns about their metamors. I have to kind of remind them like, okay, where this is coming from sounds like a very monogamous mindset. It doesn't really apply here. It doesn't have to. Yeah. And and I also, to add to what you're saying, I, I also try and I, I come back to like principles and values for me. So rather than just saying like generically, like that idea doesn't apply. I try and go to like a core value for me anyways. I find mm-hmm. I, I, I don't coach other people often, very rarely um, these days. Um, so for me, it's like, how do I coach myself? And for me, it's like relationships succeed or fail on their own merits. Like if your partner is suddenly doing this cool thing, you always wanted to do with them with someone else, then the issue isn't they're doing it with someone else. The issue is they're not doing it with you. Right. So then the question becomes like, Hey, this is the thing I want to do. Um, like, have you asked your partner? Have you made it clear that's a mm-hmm. need, um, that that's something that you really want to get met with them? Yeah, that's actually one of the first things I like to do is the Mm. wants, needs, boundaries. You know, work on your list. You work Mm -hmm. on your list and then we can come together and talk about it and make it work. 
that's yeah the very much the core what is it you are looking for what do you have to offer that that kind of thing and i i need to bring in the mom thing because <laughs> being a parent makes it a lot more complicated as in right now um it's actually a pro day day so my kid has approached me um so, so so one sec what is it bud i need help what do you need help with Beating the game. Beating the game. I promise you, as soon as I'm done with this, we're gonna play video games. I promise. Thank you, sir. All right. I will help you beat it. We'll do it together. Okay. Okay. Love you. Super adorable. He's he's been looking forward to playing video games, and mm -hmm. it's actually really fun. Just as a parent, that my kids are reaching an age where we can play like video games that I enjoy. Amazing. Um, my youngest, you were to believe this, Calvin, he's six. A couple times now, he's beat me at Mario Kart. Amazing. Isn't and I'm I loved Mario Kart growing up. Okay, I love that game. I will challenge you. And I'll <laughs> kick your ass. And my six-year-old, I... like like maybe two or three times, has beat me, and I like fell off my chair. <laughs> so proud. <laughs> my uh, my brother challenged me to Mario Kart because he used to be really really good in high school. Um, yeah. And I soundly trounced him. I was like, Mark, you were you were good at Mario Kart as captain of the football team. But like I was good at Mario Kart as a nerd who played magic cards in the library. Let's be honest. There's like we're on different tiers here when we say we're good at Mario Kart. Like which friend group are you comparing yes. yourself to? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Before like, we go down that road, because I want to talk about Mario Kart now. But oh, my God. <laughs> I was but like, my brother, my brother dated all the people in high school, like slept with all the people, was like super successful as an athlete. And I had like back knee and magic cards. I was like, <laughs> give me this. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry. Is, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just saying it's fun to have kids that could play that. I don't remember what I was saying. Yes, You were saying it's wonderful that your kids are reaching an age where you can play games that are fun for you. Yeah, and have more interesting conversations. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, every stage has things that are fun, but recently it's been a mature development. Where I'm like, okay, we can actually have like really interesting conversations now. They're getting more, more complex mm -hmm. and more about relationships. And they are starting to ask more questions about, uh, our non-monogamous lives i mean i've been non-monogamous and out about it since before kids mm -hmm. I, re I remember everyone asking you know family members and old friends saying like oh so now you're gonna settle down i'm like no not in the <laughs> way that you think right but anyways and it's so like I, it's like maybe never... maybe like less public sex <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, honestly, not much changed in terms of who I am, right? And right, my, of course. How I live my life, you know, my, my, for lack of a better word, my lifestyle choices, you know, mm -hmm. those are different. The right. things that are different is, you know, uh, my back hurts more and I'm a little <laughs> more tired. Got a few more gray hairs. Yeah. Uh, I'd have a lot less time for other things, but honestly, that's about it. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, just because I decide I want to have children. Yeah. That does limit certain things, but it doesn't mean I'm sure. not going to 
live your life. Continue to live my life. Um, actually, it's really funny. My my mother, who uh, we've come a long way. She does not approve, really, but she's accepted it at this point. She Amazing. loves me. She's she's accepted that this is who I am, and I think it, it came with the realization that I turned out okay. <laughs> she's it, devoutly it, religious, isn't she? She's Mennonite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's we've worked very hard on our relationship but i remember Amazing. at one point um her saying to me she was like correct me if this doesn't sound like a good analogy because she's not you know super uh, knowledgeable about sure, sure. she said correct me if i'm wrong but i think that you should be your own polyamorous partner you have Aww. kids and that is they're considered a kind of partner something that has wants and needs that you have to address but you also need to do that for yourself and i was like you did get the analogy right mom <laughs> yeah good job because she would be a single mom but she said it was really hard but she still found a little bit of time mm-hmm. to do things for herself you know she said you can't mm-hmm. be you can't be a good parent and you can't pour from an empty cup you know right yeah. So the way I look at it is obviously through a relationship anarchy lens. So for me, it's less about um, comparing kids to partners and looking at relationships with children as like full, you know, like alive relationships, just like relationships with best friends or relationships with, you know, sex partners. In oh, in fact, uh, yeah. I, I that... kind of just see them as little, little, um, what's the name of the diagram? I feel like there's a, a circle that's me and I've got like a solar system you know, oh. around me and the kids are there and like a Venn diagram, almost like a Venn diagram, but, uh, there's no, there's no ranking. Right. There's, or like overlap necessarily or, or overlap necessarily. Although I would say my kids are kind of like their bubbles would be attached to mine and that it is a package deal. So interesting. You don't have to be involved with my kids, but that is not a relationship mm-hmm. that I'm going to break off. Like they are my children. <laughs> yeah. I'm not leaving them. They they are they're there. They're stuck permanently. <laughs> so this is this is something I wanted to bring up was we were yeah. talking about culture and we're talking about all these relationships with differing needs and the way that parents share time among their children is not exactly analogous to the way partners share time among metamors, but we're mm-hmm. talking about this monogamy culture we grow up in. And yeah. it really speaks to this this um, intersection of sibling rivalry and like mm-hmm. metamor rivalry and the way that we look at love as finite and limited in like monogamy culture and monogamy style parenting versus totally. the way that, you know, non-monogamous parents would look at, you know, how do you deal with sibling rivalry and like what are the lessons that, that children need to learn? I'm curious if you can uh-huh. speak to that. That is a really good question. And I definitely, definitely grew up with sibling rivalry. And it's become a a joke over the years. And I'm okay with this being a joke. I don't think other people would. Um, (laughs) But like, which one of us was, quote unquote, the good one? Mm. Um, And because over the years, it kind of switched back and forth. Once I became a stripper, I, I used to be the good one. And then I was like, nope, I'm not the good one. Now my sister's the good one. And we were open about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the good one. And and then I was the other sister. Right? <laughs> so we've been very open about that for years and years and years. And now I'm the good one again. Um, but 
that is not something I would want my kids to do. <laughs> so we don't do that in front of them. But with my kids, and we have had a talk a lot about the I love you more than this or more than that. Or even when, when people say it back and forth, the I love you, oh, no, I love you more. Mm. We don't. I don't do that. I've been very careful about not trying to minimize when they say that they love me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say, yeah, I love you so much. Or, yeah, I love you too. And the question of, you know, and the, the topic has come up of, do you love me more than my brother? Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've tried to just uh, put that in the conversation of the family. You know, I love daddy so much. I love you so much and I love you so much. I don't love one more than the other, but I mm-hmm. love you in different ways because you're mm-hmm. different people. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to really explain to a kid and, and even again, my kids right now are six and eight. And I think for a good year or so, they've both understood the concept of um, that I do different activities with them when I spend mm-hmm. one-on-one time with them. And so that's not more or less it's just different right it's like you don't need to do exactly the same things with all of your children but it is important that children feel empowered to ask for what they need i think oh that's yeah that's a bit almost another uh tangent but yeah i've been um very much of the um oh i'm trying to gather my thoughts you got this (laughs) <laughs> um, anyways, I don't want to go on off on two different But um, yeah, it, it's just been really focusing on you can love somebody in a different way. And love shouldn't be measured. It's not really something you measured. It's something that you do. Um, and, you know, my youngest even said to me recently at bedtime, he said, Mom, I love you and I love Daddy. Uh, and I don't love daddy more than you but i love playing video games with daddy more because he knows how to play these things better <laughs> like and i laughed and i was like that sounds about right like he, he can play yeah. minecraft i can't play minecraft he's like yeah. i love i love that i can play that and i said that is awesome i love that you love playing minecraft with daddy and it yeah. makes me happy to watch you play that, like trying to show that I'm happy mm-hmm. about that and not trying to make it about me or make it about jealousy. Right. And then I'd say, you know what? I love doing with you and try to keep it more about that. Cause that's in a way that's, yeah, I feel like having several partners or several children mm-hmm. is, is about having different aspects of your life, different mm-hmm. needs kind of covered. You know, I have, friends or partners that I love to watch horror movies with because my co-parent hates horror movies. Sure. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that's okay. You don't have to love horror movies. I can get that need met somewhere else. Totally. Um, and so that's why the, a lot of people that have kids and are non-monogamous will use the comparison when trying mm-hmm. to explain, you know, uh, how you can love more than one person. You know, yeah. I, I, I had one kid and I didn't have a second one because the first wasn't enough or that I didn't love the first one enough. Of course. And, you know, after second 
was born, it didn't mean I love the first one any less. The whole love multiplies doesn't you can't really divide it or don't have to time mm-hmm. of course is a different story but of course resources and time will always be limited resources tangible like things yeah and and brandon my co-parent and i we do actually try really hard to make a point to have one-on-one time with the kids because and anyone out there who has like one kid i hope i hope you know what i'm talking about because I, talk, I, have, I have friends and partners that have one kid and they always seem so close with that <sighs> one kid and constantly like I see them going on adventures and really having a ton of one-on-one time together. Mm-hmm. And as, as a parent of two, uh, it's just two. I, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I see people with like four or five kids. I'm like, oh, I thought I wanted that. I don't anymore. But just having two, I feel like I'm, I'm not often able to focus on one kid. I'm just like trying to uh calm the chaos i feel like i become more of a bouncer slash referee slash you know host slash all of these things just trying to contain the chaos that Mm. that can happen um so brennan and i we actually do make really good point to try to have one-on-one time and switch with each other and and so that everyone tries to get some kind of time and that that time isn't again measured in terms of time or value but um what we're doing together and how Mm -hmm. much it means to that kid so shared experiences and doing something that is enjoyable for both parties yeah and and special if you want to use that word Mm, that's such a charged word i know right uh, special might be a bit of a charged word but something that that fills buckets and that is something that might be like not entirely completely so far out unique but that there is of course it's there's going to be something that is unique about that dynamic Uh, agreed i i think the reason that i'm cautious about the word special (laughs) is special can imply exclusive so you i can have you know two partners and one of them's really into butt stuff and i'm really into butt stuff as my Mm -hmm. listeners will all know um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that partner might be like, oh, this is really special that we have this together. And I'm like, yeah, but if my other partner gets into it, I'm still going to do it yeah. with them. <laughs> and that's just it. You can do the same thing and it can still be special. But yeah, right. you have to be careful of what the word special means. Because again, that might be misinterpreted. Agreed. Agreed. Um, or even and just saying that like, too, be like, but, but I'm, I'm the little. Right. And then there's another little, but I'm the little. Right that's supposed to be our special thing. I'm like, uh, yeah, I try and focus on time with someone being special. Like the time Mm -hmm. we spend is special rather than the thing we're doing is special. Right. That makes sense. At the same time, I mean, with the kids, obviously they like different things and Mm -hmm. have different aptitudes. So it becomes a lot about that. Mm -hmm. My eldest, he, he's, going to be an engineer or something he loves building things and mm-hmm. um, putting things together it's a lot of lego it's a lot of um we do a ton of science experiments at home that's awesome and it's so much like we can get really intricate <laughs> he wants to do something really basic and i'm like no if we're gonna do this we're gonna do this right <laughs> We have to have our control groups and we have to love try it. all the different variables. They have to be completely isolated and we have to write it down and we have to I have love the it. timer. 
Yeah, and so, and then he gets into it and, and we both can get excited, whereas my youngest would have no patience for that. Right. Yep. So he'd, he'd want to maybe read a book or, or play something imaginary. So mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm not going to do that with other kids or that I might not play something imaginary right. with one or that I might not build something with the other. But it does become something that is, a, a, again, special. That is a hard word, but that's something that is a bond that we like to share. It's something Agreed. we like to do often. Yeah, building bonds is special. And I think sometimes it's the medium that gets confused for the message. Yeah. It's like people are like, oh, it's this activity we do. Like we have, you know, unprotected sex. So we're quote unquote fluid bonded, which is a term I don't love. Right. But it's like, it's like, this is our special thing when really what's special is the bond you're forming doing that thing. Yeah, that's a really good example. I think both can be misinterpreted as something that equals uh status mm-hmm. Ooh, status there's another really charged word <laughs> so yeah that's exactly you know that was the word that came to mind yeah so it when you talk about this certain word or this certain bond or activity does that imply status and that that's what bothers me about mm-hmm. uh, terms like fluid bonded i don't mind the term if it is being if it's not being used as as a kind of status Right. If it's just like a, we're talking technical, we're talking. Detail. I would usually just say like fluid exchange or unprotected sex. Right. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean when you say fluid bonded because it's such a buzzword. Yeah. Um, shoot. There was something I wanted to mention and I have forgotten it in true ADHD fashion. I, I feel you. I, it, that, that is why conversations with us could be really fun. We both have. I would say fairly strong cases of ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am diagnosed. I I don't take meds for it because I'm also bipolar. I think I think we talked about this before too. We did. Um, and that giving me a stimulant that you would you know normally give someone ADHD would not work well with me and my mania. Mm-hmm. That's so one fair. of those things where you know which are you going to be treated? And of course, not everything needs to be treated. Uh, you know, with, with pharmaceuticals, but, um, it's okay if you do. And so, yeah, I, it's kind of like a, witch needs to be treated more with pharmaceuticals and we lean towards the bipolar. That is something that is, uh, more needing of some <laughs> chemical balancing. And I think ADHD I've, I think I've remembered kind of more like just trying to manage it, but it, it's mm. fun. Okay, so I think I remembered. So I wanted to tease apart the nuance that you brought up two different issues that in one case, talking about specialness, we're talking about this idea of exclusion, of saying this activity is special. If, If people conflate the medium for the message, right, not the bond and the time, but the activity, then it's about exclusion. And that's like one very typically monogamous thing that we tend to see showing up in non-monogamy. But the other one, status, is about hierarchy. It's Mm -hmm. about having a position of power. And that's another thing we see as a holdover from monogamy showing up in non-monogamy. But the two come from different needs. That was what I wanted to tease apart. Oh, yeah. I got there in the end. Both, you did, you got there. Both, I think, need to be addressed they're, they're important things. Agreed. But yeah, I do like the, the way you're uh, differentiating between them. Oh, that was a lot of mental energy. I think that I think that <laughs> did me in for this session. Um, let's close this one off and we'll do another one a little later. Sounds good. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Robin. It's been oh, awesome having you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure whenever we manage to get around to it. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor or tweet me at Intimate Victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>